Four teams can reasonably win the Pac-12, and it seems like it is way up in the air. So what are the paths to a Pac-12 title for Utah, USC, Oregon, and UCLA? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play by play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. If you're watching on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I appreciate every single one of you out there who has done so already, and I appreciate Carter Baines as well, senior writer and editor at beaverblitz.com for coming back on the show to help break down and go through all these potential scenarios, who controls their own destiny, who doesn't, what are the tie-breaking rules. There's a lot to get to today, so I wasn't going to try and tackle it on my own. Carter, good to talk to you, man. My head is already spinning from the like 30 to 45 minutes we spent before we hit the record button to try to figure out all of this just garbage language listed on the Pac-12 website <laughs> to determine ties. Um, so yeah, that's a, a little behind the scenes for anybody listening right now. Like we have been hard at work for, I mean, the better part of an hour trying to just even learn. Basically, we're, we're relearning how to read. Actually. <laughs> we're, we're learning all sorts of words and how you can write the most complicated language possible mm-hmm. in, in some instances. So there are four teams that can reasonably win the Pac-12 championship. USC and Utah are still very much in it. They need a little bit of help. And then Oregon and UCLA control their own destinies to get to the Pac-12 championship game. Though I'll say that that is by the book how it is. I can't foresee a scenario where eight and one doesn't get you in. We could have multiple teams at eight and one, which we will get to later. But let's start with USC. They can't lose, in all likelihood, another Pac 12 game. And is it technically possible a two loss team could get in? Yes, Oregon State and Washington fans, it is technically possible. However, with the way these teams are playing, it really feels like you're going to have one loss teams and the schedules that they've got. And I really think that that you're going to get two eight and one teams out of this group of four with the way they're playing, barring major injuries or a dramatic drop off in their competitive style of play for the last few weeks, especially since conference play has begun. It's what it looks like. So let's start with USC. They've got to win out. That would give them a head to head with UCLA and then the help they would need is they would need Utah to lose another Pac-12 game to ensure they could get one of those slots because the Utes have the head-to-head tiebreaker at the moment. And then they also would need Oregon to not be undefeated. And I don't think anyone can go undefeated. It hasn't happened yet. Oregon and UCLA are the only teams with a chance right now, but they've still got a lot of tough games, especially Oregon, probably has the toughest schedule of, of the group remaining at at this point in the season, which we'll get to, but the path for USC to get to this PAC 12 championship game, Carter, it's really not that unreasonable because their schedule, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, UCLA, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame stinks 
I mean, that's a bad football team, straight up. UCLA is a losable game, but I look at all the other ones and I say, boy, I kind of see the Trojans at 11 and 1, 10 and 2 with just one Pac 12 loss at, at the worst. I'll say, too, you know, you mentioned it's really difficult to go undefeated in Pac 12 play. Well, there's two undefeated teams right now and they're playing each other next weekend. So, like, yeah. you're, you're only <laughs> going to have one left after next week, too, which I mean, this, I, well, I, this, yeah. this weekend, technically. Uh, sorry. So, yeah. That's yeah. Right, that's right. Um, and I know we're talking USC here. So, you know, if USC gets that tiebreaker over UCLA at the end of the season, that's going to be big for the Trojans. Uh, just because, you know, anytime we talk about anytime we talk about USC or Oregon in ties here, things get really training each other this year. So USC is really hoping that it ends up in a tie against UCLA with a head-to-head victory because obviously the Trojans now have a head-to-head loss against Utah, which will give Utah, you know, that the tiebreaker there. You have no idea how the tiebreaker is going to, there is no head-to-head. And so you're only, you know, the only opportunity you have left for a head-to-head like advantage is against UCLA. So anything that involves a tie with the Trojans and Ducks, you know, it's, it doesn't look particularly like set in stone like oh like usc is really you know set and it does feel like usc really does need to if not win out um you know only lose to a team that's not going to be involved in a tiebreaker yeah but if they do win out i don't see how they how they wouldn't be in they'd be 11 and 1 8 and 1 in conference play most importantly because and remember no style points here either You, you don't have to impress a committee right this is not college football playoff talk this is just conference championship only thing that matters at this point in time are are wins and losses and i think usc's path there is is pretty reasonable because they've already played most of their tough games carter washington state can trip you up they got by them they didn't play their best game against uh, arizona state but they ultimately won by 17 they escaped corvallis with a win yeah they lose to utah here but i just look at those five remaining games and say they're going to be double digit favorites in four of them they may very well be favored against UCLA as well because they could be on a three-game winning streak going into it, and the offense would, would have the chance to to really have things rolling there. Let's go to the team they just lost to over the weekend in one of the most awesome environments and football games of the weekend, which was jam-packed full of them in this beautiful sport we call college football. Utah probably would also have to win out, but as I said on Monday's show, Conference championship, Rose Bowl, that's all still in play for the Utes. I think the biggest thing they've got to have is a head-to-head win against Oregon, but they are probably rooting for Oregon to beat UCLA this Saturday because if you're Utah, you're saying, well, we got to win out, but we also need the team we lost to, UCLA, to take a couple L's. Exactly. Utah wants this thing to get as messy as possible, particularly because it does already hold one tiebreaker head to head. It has a chance to get another one against Oregon. I feel like this last game, uh, you know, on Saturday against USC was essentially a must win for Utah if it was going to get back to the Pac-12 title. And and from here on out, I mean, all of these games pretty much are must wins for USC and, and, and Utah. But a huge win for the Utes because leave that weekend at three and two. We're talking about all the two lost teams in the conference right now, essentially being out of the mix. 
Um, it, it would very well have been a, a three-team race had USC held on to, uh, to to win that game against Utah. So it does it does feel like those both of those teams need to win out. And if that's all, I think we're going to be looking at Utah um, having probably the, the advantage of, of getting into the, the conference title because if it does win out, it's going to have a bunch of tiebreakers against these other teams in the mix. And their schedule, they are off this week, but then next, I believe it's Thursday. It's either Thursday or Friday. They go at Pullman. Could be mm-hmm. a major, major trap game because that's not an easy place to play. And Washington State is not playing great football offensively, but their defense is pretty darn good. And at home, that could be tricky. But then they've got Arizona and Stanford. Those will be wins. Big game at Oregon. And then they have Colorado. So I don't think that's an unreasonable path either. Like, like that's what's so fun about this right now, Carter, in the Pac-12. They, there are four teams right now that can win, as we've been talking about. And it's not like, well, this team's more likely than that one. And it's, you know, four in the mix, but it's really these two. Like, there is a legitimate path with completely realistic outcomes for all four of these teams. We'll get to the other two that control their own destiny in UCLA and Oregon after reminding you that from cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check, your favorite restaurant inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside, an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. Any of that apply to you, you want to get Upside. I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, Download the free Upside app, use my promo code LOCKED, and get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why Upside has a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. It's that easy. Download the free Upside app, $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. So, Carter, let's go to the teams that do control their own destiny, right? You see your Utah and USC need a little bit of help. But, I mean, it's just it's just a smidgen of help to get themselves back into the mix. And it's just not that unrealistic that they will receive at least some of it, if not all that they would need to, to get to Las Vegas in December in the Pac-12 championship game. But let's move over to Oregon. And... They can lose a game, so can UCLA, but one of them is going to suddenly be operating on thin ice after this Saturday. But they can lose a game, and then going into the end of the season, if they're going to be one of the two teams at the top of the conference, they'll have to beat either UCLA or Utah. Do you think it matters which one that is? Is there is there a matchup there that's more favorable? Because I think it's just kind of you got to just get one. And obviously you have to hold serve against Oregon state and Washington. And those are far from cupcakes. Oregon's easily got the toughest remaining schedule here, but between UCLA and Utah is, I, I guess a win against UCLA doesn't knock them out of the picture. A win against Utah does because it'd be their second loss. That's the only reason I could, I could really differentiate those two opponents for the ducks. I think that the win against Utah is more important because it does narrow it down to a three team race. And you look at the remaining schedules and UCLA has a game against USC coming up and you say, okay, well, that's a chance for a loss there too. So like, you know, beating UCLA, obviously that gives the the Bruins a loss. They could still lose to USC, but 
I, th- I think the fact that you narrow it down to three with a win over you uh, over over Utah, um, I think that puts the Ducks in in, in a better situation. I, I do want to. I was thinking about this during the during the ad break, and I, I want to on seasons and and standings like this midway through, where you've got three teams from what would have been the South in contention and one from the North is exactly why the Pac-12 stripped the divisional model. Yep. Because yep. in any other year, we'd be looking at this and saying, man, Oregon State still has a great chance to get into the Pac-12 title as a two-loss team. Or, mm-hmm. you know, Washington, if it beats Oregon, it's got a it's got a, a great path. But here we are talking about, like, Oregon could miss the Pac-12 title altogether, and you could have, you know, what, what would be your or far and away your best um you know, in, in any other year, it would get in automatically. You could have that team miss it because there's three teams in the South that are better than it this year. So, look, it's it's complicated. It's a mess. But at the end of the day, it is for the best because we are going to get the two best teams in the conference in the championship game. Whereas if we were, you could have a one-loss USC team get out and a two- or three-loss Oregon State team get in. Yeah, and I came on this show kind of around the time I, I started hosting it in the spring. And when that rule change was announced, I, I said, yeah, th- this is a great idea. And there have been 11 Pac-12 championships, championship games. Carter, five of them would have been different matchups had this rule been implemented. And you wouldn't have had to see, though USC was on probation in uh, 2011, a 6-6 six and six UCLA team go play Oregon. Like... That, that's not the best product you could have put on the field that year. A rematch with Stanford and Oregon would have been a lot more fun. There are countless other examples where it would have been advantageous for, for the conference. But bringing it back to, to Oregon here, they've got UCLA, Cal and Colorado. Those should be wins. I know Colorado got the big win in Boulder, but neither football team is very good. I just, I've not been high on them coming into this year as the season has gone on. I'm happy for Colorado and I'm happy it came against Cal because then it didn't, you know, majorly derail someone else's season on a fluky player or anything like that. It's like Cal's just not, they're, they're not that good. I think people uh, sort of see that now though, an intriguing selection for the PAC 12 prime picks this week story for another day. They've got Cal Colorado after UCLA. Then they've got Washington, Utah and the bees. That's a gauntlet because we have to preface all of this by saying we are assuming no upsets and these are, possible realistic scenarios but you look at these teams and the schedules they've got remaining Oregon is the most primed to lose a game to a team that is not among what we'll call the big four here that are contending for the championship in USC Utah UCLA they don't play the Trojans but they play the Utes they play UCLA they've got the Beavs and Washington still remaining I think it's by far the toughest schedule left and th- this is an important point, too, where we say, obviously, racking up wins for all of these teams is very important to stay alive in the race. But I think it's particularly important important for Oregon because the Ducks do not play the Trojans. When you get down to the, you know, when you go through the, the tiebreaker ladder, there are so many scenarios in the tiebreaker system that involve your record against other teams throughout the conference. And so if mm-hmm. Oregon ends up in a tie with USC at the end of the year, the Ducks better hope that they have great records against opponents. And so that's why these wins are so important. Um, you know, that's 
the the thing with with these tiebreakers is like yes your head to head matters but the the entire body of work throughout your entire season really is taken into account in a lot of the tiebreaker scenarios so it's that this really applies to right now are Oregon and USC because you know USC plays UCLA and Utah Oregon plays UC, USC or uh, UCLA and Utah but the fact that these two teams don't play each other every single win means just a little bit more in the scenario that those two teams are tied for the second spot. Let's go to the last team now, UCLA, and their pass to the Pac-12 championship game. They do not have to win out. They can have a loss in there. Their schedule also sets up pretty favorably because they've got to play more road games. Five of their six so far this year have been at home, but you look at these games and they go at Oregon. That's certainly the, the toughest road game they have. Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona, USC, and then Cal. Bruins are going to be favored in all but probably two of those games. But if they can just find a way to win one between USC and Oregon, I don't think it really matters to the Bruins which of those teams it is. If they are able to avoid upsets against all the other teams, their path to the Pac-12 championship game is pretty clear. I think it's the best path of, of any team right now, just because, like you said, they do still play Oregon and, US, and, and USC. And you might look at that and say, wow, they have a really tough schedule the rest of the way. Well, I look at it and say they have a chance to pick against both of those teams, or at least one of them. And I think as long as you have one tie-breaking win, you have to feel pretty good about your chances of getting in, just because you know the, the head-to-head means so much because it is the first um, tie-breaking factor. After that, it's it really all bets are off. But I think it's important to have one type tie breaking win against all of these teams. And U- UCLA already has one against Utah, so you pick up another one against Oregon or USC, and like your odds of getting screwed out of the title game are so low at that point because you have tiebreakers against two of the three teams you're competing against. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and that's again barring an upset where they stumble to somebody else. You never know who that could be. That's why they play the games, folks. And this week's thrilling moment brought to it brought to you by Nissan, which have worked with us here at the Locked On Network to create thrilling moments where we highlight the most exciting play from the Pac-12 weekend slate. And I tell you what, uh, Carter, pretty easy selection here. The Cam Rising two-point conversion run. Kyle Whittingham, absolute stones as a head coach saying, yeah, we're going. Trust his quarterback who goes out there, makes a play. Not a design quarterback run the way one of his touchdown rushes was. I believe the uh, the touchdown that became the go-ahead one there late in the game on the, the quarterback power play that was really well-designed and well-executed. But Looks back or drops back, looks, sees no one, takes off, fights his way in for a 43-42 to victory. That is your thrilling moment. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So let's get to the tiebreaker scenarios real quick, Carter. And someone asked uh, an interesting question. If you ever want a question answered here on the show, by all means, YouTube comments at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12, the Twitter handles slide right up into the DMs or just come in the Twitter mentions as uh, this USC fan did. And I have to give a shout out to his uh, name on there. Uh, get over it. Salty Sooners. Um, <laughs> that's, oh, that's, pretty awesome. good. that's pretty good. 
that's 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 pretty good. I don't think they're over it yet, especially since Brent Venables can't stop a nosebleed over there in uh, Norman lately. But he says I am unfamiliar with the tie-breaking scenarios. If UCLA, Oregon, and USC all finish eight and one in the Pac-12, who goes to Vegas? This scenario would mean UCLA beats Oregon, and then Oregon wins out and beats Utah, and USC beats UCLA. So. This is what all our preparation, all our work has come down to this very moment, Carter. And this is a, uh, a tricky question. We're going to try to lay things out as clearly and as concisely as we can. And the reason this gets complicated, like you alluded to, is that in this hypothetical where UCLA, USC and Oregon are eight and one is you don't have a head to head between Oregon and USC. But. The way I have interpreted the rules, correct me if if I am wrong here, is this would be the L.A. schools going to the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, run through that scenario one more time just so that we're, we're yep. on the same page here. So three teams at eight and one. There are four scenarios where you have three eight and one Pac-12 teams. This one would be UCLA, Oregon, and USC all at eight and one. UCLA beats Oregon. So the Bruins have the head-to-head over the Ducks. Oregon beats Utah. Utes are out of it with two conference losses. And then USC beats UCLA. So they have the head to head with the Bruins. If you have those three sitting there at eight and one, you would then look at the next highest ranked or you'd look at common opponents between USC and Oregon. And the Trojans should have that tiebreaker advantage because in this hypothetical, they would have beaten UCLA, who Oregon would have then lost to. And then UCLA is already ahead of Oregon because they have the head to head. That's correct. And the the head to head between UCLA and Oregon is important there because it turns it from or it takes it from a multiple team tie to a two team. There's if you look at the Pac-12 website, there are two sp- there are two different types of tiebreakers. You've got the two team and the multiple team. And the goal in all of these things is to get multiple team tiebreakers and turn them into two team ties. Right. So the head to head that UCLA win turns this into a two team tie between Oregon and USC and then with the whole common opponent thing USC would get the nod over Oregon in that scenario. That is our interpretation. Thank you for the question. And we we hope that that is correct because we spent a lot of time going yeah. through it just trying to figure all this out. But that's not the most or, or not the least likely scenario because there are a lot that could play out. The other situations where you could have three teams at eight and one is if the one the one that he asked about was Oregon, UCLA and USC, which would be the Bruins beating the Ducks, the Ducks beat the Utes and USC beats UCLA. You could also have UCLA, Utah, USC, all Pac-12 South teams tied at eight and one. UCLA would beat Oregon. Utah would beat Oregon. Two losses. The Ducks are gone. USC beats UCLA, and that's their one conference loss. The other two, I'll explain these, and then we'll kind of move on from it. But just so you all know the madness that could ensue in the coming weeks in the Pac-12, you could have Utah, USC, Oregon, 
where the Ducks beat the Bruins, the Trojans beat UCLA to give them two losses, but Utah beats Oregon, wins out, and has just one loss. And the other possibility is Oregon, UCLA, and Utah, where Oregon wins this Saturday. The Utes beat the Ducks, and UCLA beats USC to give the Trojans their second loss. All of them are possible. What else is possible? UCLA or Oregon becomes the first team to run the table in conference play and go 9-0, and or everyone gets to two losses, or you have just two teams at 8-1. and There are a lot of different ways that this could play out, Carter, and it's just, it's fascinating. I can't remember a time where it's been this stacked and where you could realistically see all of these potential scenarios playing out. It's so messy just because of the fact that we don't have divisions anymore. But uh, I'm glad you lay out all of those possible. But it's glorious. No, no, it is. No, it's it's <laughs> awesome because it means that, you know, you're going to have. I, I guess, you know, one team will say like, oh, we got screwy in this thing. But like the tiebreaker set up for a reason, like the two best teams by resume will end up in the title game. Like it's it's guaranteed. Um, but I'm glad that you run through all the scenarios because I want to highlight the one that gets the absolute messiest is Oregon, USC, Utah. Mm-hmm. You have all of these, like, you know, Oregon would have beaten Utah, but Utah would have beaten USC. Well, Oregon, Oregon doesn't play USC. So then we have to go to common opponents and then UCLA is not even in this scenario, but what the teams did against UCLA matters a ton because that's going to be UCLA in that situation would be the next best common opponent. And so right. you start there and work your way down. But, but, but in that hypothetical, Oregon and USC would have both beaten UCLA. Right. So then it would go to the next highest ranked team. Would that yep. be Washington? Would that be maybe Oregon State? And if they both win that, and then it would keep going down. Yep. So if if you have three teams at the end of the year that are eight and one, then absolute chaos can ensue, but it gets even nuttier when you put Oregon and USC in there because they don't have that head-to-head. So there's no direct, easy way to figure out which team garners the higher seed. This is the fun thing. If if Oregon and USC are tied, we could get to a scenario where what Oregon and USC did against like the two or three worst teams in the conference will decide. You know, like we could be looking yes. at, yep. we could be looking at, okay, well, Oregon, you know, beat Stanford, but, you know, and USC also did. And so then we have to move on to what they did against, you know, probably Colorado, who I, I think we can assume is probably going to finish this thing at the, at the bottom of the, the, the standings. I mean, we could be top of the conference head to head against the absolute bottom as the determinant, which is what, this is what, you know, kind of tripped Spencer and I up as, as we were um, doing our, our preparation. It's just to, the fact that you have this scenario where you're comparing teams, common opponents and the exact same record against those opponents. Then you go to the, the number of total wins that they have. Then you bring in this outside analytical company and you compare their power ratings. <laughs> and then, then all the way the at the point. bottom, all the way at the bottom. If everything, which is probably one in a million doesn't work out, they'll flip a coin, <laughs> which, you know, for, like I, I really hope it comes down to a coin flip just to just to prove how <laughs> stupid all of this really is, and, and to make the Pac-12 reward some of its just 
archaic yes, language. Just, just to make us feel vindicated in our uh, frustration yeah. trying to interpret all of the language and such. However, so, I think we both understand, Carter, it is unlikely it will come to any of this because it's certainly not impossible, but I think the most likely scenario is you have two teams at eight and one and two teams with two conference losses. I could see USC losing to UCLA, which I thought before the year, I kind of still think that. And then Utah could lose to Oregon or Utah could win out and Oregon could stumble against Washington or Oregon state. An upset for one or or two of these teams, uh, you know, like it really does make things a lot easier because yes, you know, then you're looking at like one or two one win teams and not or uh, one loss team, sorry, and and not four of them. Um, I, I just really hope that Oregon and, and USC don't end up in a tie because then you're going to have fans saying like, oh, this tiebreaker system is broken. Like we got screwed out of a Pac-12 title appearance because we, you know, like we played this team and USC didn't like I don't want it to get messy like that because that's not how it should be determined. Like it should right. just be determined by head to head. And and right. it's unfortunate that, you know, not, not every team in this conference play makes it a little more fun, but it's, <laughs> it, it, it does mean that there is the possibility for one team to, to kind of feel like it got slighted by the process. Yeah. But we'll have to just wait and see how that uh, process plays out. Uh, we're going to end it there on the show today. Washington, Oregon state did notable things over the weekend that are worthy of discussion. You'll have to tune into tomorrow's show to hear all of that. Carter, usually I've got time to ask you about the beefs, but all this stuff just so, so fascinating to, to dissect. If you've got 15 second thoughts, by all means, shout them out. I, I mean, I'll just leave it with this. Do you think we've, I think we've used the phrase win and tie and, and thrown all of these scenario. games out here. So many I've said scenario times. and scenario, like five different right. ways on this show. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, just I'm going to apologize for the listeners. Right. To, to the listeners right now. I'm sorry. I probably, but I mean, that's just, that's well, the way this if you've got any questions, it, 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 it's just the way it is at the moment. If you've got any questions or anything is not clear, send them in again, smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12, come in the mentions, direct messages, whatever's better. Hop in the YouTube comments as well. Ask a question if something's not clear, and I can go over it again tomorrow on the show because we want you all to be informed and understanding just how much fun the next six weeks of football could be in the Pac-12. Can not wait. Appreciate everyone listening. See you all next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.